You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. By Various The Meteor Girl by Jack Williamson Part C My own thoughts were racing. Seeing into the future was a rather revolutionary idea to me. My mind is conservative. I have always been sceptical of the more fantastic ideas suggested by science. But Charlie seemed to know what he was talking about. In view of the marvellous things he had done that night, it seemed hardly fair to doubt him now. I decided to accept his astounding statement at face value, and to follow the adventure through. He lifted his pencil, and consulted the luminous dial of his wristwatch. We saw that last scene some twelve hours and forty minutes before it happened, to put it in conventional language. The distortion of the time coordinates amounted to that. In the light of the dawn, for we had been all night at the meteor pit, and silver was coming in the east, he looked at me with fierce resolve in his eyes. Hammond, that gives us over twelve hours to get to Virginia. You mean to go? But just twelve hours? That's better than the transcontinental record, to say nothing of the time it would take to find a little rock in the Pacific. We have the Golden Gull. She's as fast as any ship we've ever flown. But we can't take the Gull. Those alterations haven't been made. And that new engine. A bearcat for power, but it may go dead any second. The gull can fly, but she isn't safe. Safety be damned. I've got to get to Virginia, and get there in the next twelve hours. The gull will fly, but... All right. Please help me get off. Help you off? It's a fool thing to do. But if you go, I do. Thanks, Hammond. Awfully. He gripped my hand. We've got to make it. With a last glance into the gaping pit from which we had dug the marvellous stone, we turned and ran across to the hangars. As we ran, the sun came above the sea in the east. Its first rays struck us like a fiery lance. The mechanics had not yet appeared. Charlie pushed the doors back, and we ran out the trim little golden gull, beautiful with her slender wing and her graceful tapering lines. I seized the starting crank, and Charlie sprang into the cockpit. I cranked until the mechanism was droning dismally, and pulled the lever that engaged it with the engine. I had been in too much haste to get up the proper speed, and the powerful new engine failed to fire. Charlie almost cried with vexation while I was cranking again. This time the motor coughed, and fell into a steady vibrant roar. With the wind from the propeller screaming about me, I disengaged the crank and stood waiting while the motor warmed. Charlie gave it scant time to do so, before he motioned me to kick out the blocks. I tumbled into the enclosed cockpit beside him. He gave the ship the gun, and we roared across the field. In five minutes we were flying west, at a speed just under three hundred miles per hour. Charlie was crouched over the stick, scanning the instrument board, and flying the gull almost at her top speed. Again and again his eyes went to the little clock on the panel. Twelve hours and forty minutes,' he said and an hour gone already. We've got to be there by five minutes after six. We were flying over Louisiana when the oil line clogged. The engine heated dangerously. Reluctantly, Charlie cut off the ignition and fell in a swift spiral to an open field. We've got to fix it, he said. Another hour gone, and we needed every minute. This new engine, it's powerful enough, but we should have had time to overhaul it and make those changes. Charlie landed with his usual skill, and we fell to work in desperate haste. A grizzled farmer, a wad of tobacco in his cheek, and three ragged urchins at his heels, stopped to watch us. He had just been to his mailbox, and had a morning paper in his hand. Charlie questioned him about the storm. 
storm centres near the american coast he read in a nasal drawl greatest storm of year drives shipping out upon west coast six vessels reported lost s s valhalla disabled sends s o s a thousand lives are the estimated toll to-night of the most terrific storm of the year which is sweeping towards the pacific coast driving all shipping before it radiograms from the valhalla at five p m report she is disabled and in danger it is doubtful that rescue vessels can reach her through the storm we got the engine repaired took off again charlie looked at the little clock five minutes to ten eight hours ten minutes left and we've got a darn long ways to go we had to stop at san antonio texas to replenish gasoline and oil ten minutes lost charlie complained as we took off and that monster waiting in the future to drag virginia to a hideous death two hours later the plane developed trouble in the ignition system the motor was new with several radical changes that we had introduced to increase power and lessen weight as i had objected to charlie we had not done enough experimental work on it to perfect it we limped into the field at el paso and spent another priceless half hour at work i got some sandwiches at a luncheon counter beside the field and listened a moment to the radio loudspeaker there many thousands are dead came the crisp metallic voice of the announcer as a result of the storm now raging on the pacific coast the worst in several years the storm centre is spending its force in the coastal regions to-day millions of dollars in damage are reported in cities from san francisco to manzanillo mexico the greatest disaster of the storm is the loss of the passenger liner valhalla of the red star line it is believed to have collided with the abandoned hulk of an italian-owned tramp freighter the roma which was left by its crew yesterday in a sinking condition radiograms from the liner ceased three hours ago when she was said to be sinking the officers doubted that her boats could be launched in such a sea i waited to hear no more charlie checked our route while we were stopped and we took off we crossed the rio grande and flew across the rocky brush-scattered hills of mexico in a direct line for the rock in the sea if anything happens so we have to land again well it's just too bad charlie said grimly but we've got to go this way it's something over six hundred miles in a straight line fifteen minutes to four now we have to average nearly three hundred miles an hour to get there he was silent and intent over his maps and instruments as we flew on over the lofty sierra madra range and over a long slope down to the gulf of california headwinds beset us as we were over the stretch of blue water and we flew on into a storm we had hardly time to make it without the wind against us charlie said if it holds us back many miles well it just mustn't purple lightning flickered ominously in the mass of blue storm clouds that hung above the mountainous peninsula of lower california i had a qualm about flying into it in our untested machine but charlie leaned tensely forward and sent the golden gull on at the limit of her speed gray vapor swirled about us rent with livid streaks of lightning thunder crashed and rumbled above the roar of our racing engine wild winds screeched in the struts rain and hail beat against us the plane rose and fell she was swirled about like a falling leaf the stick struggled in charlie's hands like a living thing with lips tightened to a thin line he fought silently fiercely desperately suddenly we were sucked down until i had an uneasy feeling at the pit of my stomach i saw the grim outline of a bare mountain peak dangerously close below us shrouded in wind-whipped mist in sudden alarm i shouted we'd better get out of this charlie we can't live in it long in the roar of the storm he did not hear me and i shouted again he turned to face me after a glance at the clock we've less than an hour hammond we've got to go on 
I sank back in my seat. The plane rolled and tossed until I thanked my lucky stars for the safety strap. In nervous anxiety I watched Charlie bring the ship up again and fight his way on through the storm. For an eternity, it seemed, we battled through a chaos of wind-driven mist, bright with purple lightning and shaken with crashing thunder. Charlie struggled with the controls until he was dripping with perspiration. He must have been utterly worn out after thirty-six hours of exhausting effort. A dozen times I despaired of life. The compass had gone to spinning crazily. We dived through the rain until we could pick up landmarks below. Three times a great bare peak loomed up suddenly ahead of us, and Charlie averted collision only by zooming suddenly upwards. Then slate-grey water was beneath us, running in white-crested mountains. I knew that we were at last out over the Pacific. "'We've passed Point Eugenia,' Charlie said. "'It can't be far now, but we have only fifteen minutes left. Fifteen minutes to get to her, before the attraction of the meteor jerks her away, perhaps to a horrible fate.' we flew low and fast over the racing waves charlie looked over his charts and made a swift calculation he changed our course a bit and we flew on at top speed we scanned the vast mad expanse of sea below the blue-gray clouds here and there were lines of white breakers but nowhere did we see a rock with a girl upon it presently the green outline of an island appeared out of the wild water on our right that's del tiburon charlie said we missed the rock he swung the plane about, and we flew south over the hastening waves. I looked at the little clock. It showed two minutes to six. I turned to Charlie. Seven minutes, he whispered grimly. On and on we flew in a wide circle. The motor roared loud. An endless expanse of racing waves unreeled below us. The little hand crawled around the dial. One minute past six, only four minutes to go. We saw a speck of white foam on the mad grey water. It was miles away, almost on the horizon. We plunged toward it, motor bellowing loud. Five miles a minute we flew. The white fleck became a black rock smothered in snowy foam. On we swept, and over the rock with bullet-like speed. As we plunged by, I saw Virginia's slender form, tattered, brine-soaked, straggling in the hideous tentacles of the monster octopus. It was the same terrible scene that we had viewed through the amazing phenomenon of distortion of light through space-time, four thousand miles away and twelve hours before. In a few minutes the time would come when Charlie had ended our view of the scene by his attempt to draw the girl through the fourth dimension to our apparatus in Florida. What terrible thing might happen then? Charlie brought the ship about so quickly that we were flung against the sides. Down we came towards the mad waves in a swift glide. In sudden apprehension I dropped my hand on his shoulder. "'Man, you can't land in a sea like that. It's suicide.' Without a word he shook off my hand and continued our steep glide toward the rock. I drew my breath in apprehension of a crash. I do not blame Charlie for what happened. He is as skilful a pilot as I know. It was a mad freak of the sea that did the thing. The grey waste of mountainous, white-crested waves rose swiftly up to meet us, with the rock with the girl clinging on it just to our right. The golden gull struck the crest of a wave, buried herself in foam, and plunged down the long slope to the trough. We rose safely to the crest of the oncoming roller, and I saw the black outline of the rock not a dozen yards away. Charlie had landed with all his skill. It was not his fault that the blustering wind caught the ship as she reached the crest of the wave and flung her sidewise towards the rock. It was no fault of his that the white-capped mountain of racing green water completed what the wind had begun, and hurled the frail plane crashing on the rock.
i have a confused memory of the wild plunge at the mercy of the wave of my despair as i realized we were being wrecked i must have been knocked unconscious when we struck the next i remember i was opening my eyes to find myself on the rock charlie's strong arm on my shoulder i was soaked with icy brine and my head was aching from a heavy blow virginia shivering and blue was perched beside us i could see no sign of the plain the mighty sea had swept away what was left of it clinging to the lee side of the rock i saw the black tentacles of the giant octopus waiting for a wave to dash us to its mercy all right hammond charlie inquired anxiously i'm afraid you got a pretty nasty bump on the head about all i could do to fish you out before the gull was swept away he helped me to a better position to withstand the force of the great roller that came plunging down upon us like a moving mountain virginia was in his arms too exhausted to do more than cling to him what can we do i sputtered shaking water from my head not a thing we're in a pretty bad fix i imagine in a few seconds we will feel the attraction of the meteor's field the force with which i tried to draw virginia to the crater through the fourth dimension i don't know what'll happen we may be jerked out of space altogether and if that doesn't get us the tide and the octopus will his voice was drowned in the roar of the coming wave a mountain of water deluged us half drowned i clung to the rock against the mad water then blinding blue light flashed about me a sharp crash rang in my ears like splintering glass i reeled and felt myself falling headlong i brought up on soft sand i sat up dumbfounded and opened my eyes i was sitting on the steep sandy side of a conical pit charlie and virginia were sprawled beside me looking as astonished as i felt charlie got to his knees and lifted the limp form of the girl in his arms something snapped in my brain the sand-walled pit was suddenly familiar i got to my feet and clambered out of it i saw that we were on our own landing field astonishingly we were back in the meteor crater charlie's vanished apparatus was scattered about us i saw the gray side of the rough iron meteorite itself half buried in the sand at the bottom of the pit what what happened i demanded of charlie don't you see simple enough i should have thought of it before the field of the meteorite brought virginia and us through to this point in space but it could not bring us back through time instead the apparatus itself was jerked forward through time that is why it vanished we got here just twelve hours and forty minutes after i closed the switch since we had been looking that far into the future the mathematical explanation that's enough for me i said hastily we'd better see about a warm dry bed for virginia and some hot soup or something now the rough grey meteorite in a neat glass case rests above the mantel in the library of a beautiful home where i am a frequent guest i was there one evening a few days ago when charlie king fell silent in one of his fits of mathematical speculation einstein again i chaffingly inquired he raised his brown eyes and looked at me hammond since relativity enabled us to find the meteor girl you ought to be convinced virginia whom her husband calls the meteor girl came laughingly to the rescue yes mr hammond what do you think of einstein now End of section 27. thank you everyone for being patient for these these uh current and upcoming episodes uh had a rash of sickness and uh family issues currently and yeah so uh i i now present you with uh march 
and early April on People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. We would also like to welcome Gretchen Martin uh, to the cast of People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. She is... Uh, I don't know, I, I, I guess uh, one of our, our, our other horror movie experts in uh, comics uh, and uh, uh, manga and uh, a lot of uh, other stuff. And yeah, no, no. Uh, so welcome Gretchen and check us out on People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos at pgttcm, pgttcm.com, at pgttcm.com. Uh, just search any of those. You'll find us eventually. <laughs> We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, um, Instagram, and Gretchen's on Gretchen is Weird, I believe, on Instagram. So check her out. Uh, Dave's Corner of the Universe is Dave's website. Uh, he's not linking anything from us to him, but we link to him. So check out his past articles. Give him some love. Maybe he'll write some more stuff. All right. Thank you, everyone. And uh, if you like this show, share it. Let other people know that you like it. Uh, let me know if you like it. Uh, you can contact us at pgttcm at gmail.com. If you S-A-S-E us a envelope, we will send you some stickers or something. And yeah, so thank you. Contact, uh, message me for uh, uh, address. And uh, we'll talk to you in the future. And uh, keep 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 it weird. Stay squiggly. And uh, yeah. <laughs>